There's this weird feeling when nature lines up a wall of energy in front of you in the ocean and like you're riding it and you look down the line and all you can see is this wall just kind of going out to infinity. It, it, it just does something in your mind. I don't know what it is, but a closeout wave coming straight to the beach is different from a wave that's 90 degrees angled away into the ocean and it just looks like you're going to surf it forever. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm Gail, your host, and today we are going surfing at Chicama in Peru. Chicama is a natural and historical jewel hidden between the ocean and the coastal desert of La Libertad region in the central coast of Peru. It has the longest surfable left wave in the world, pictured in front of a spectacular sandy beach. Now today, Chicama is home to fishermen and is a refuge for perfect waves, nature, and relaxation towards visitors. And Chicama is, is a place where you can bring a group of friends, a group of surfers, Get a cheap hotel and surf the day away. Now, I wouldn't call myself a good surfer. I've stood up maybe a handful of times in my life on a very long board in very small waves. And that's why I'm turning to some longtime surfers to help explain the beauty of surfing Chicama, Peru, whether you are truly experienced or inexperienced. And my neighbors here in Bend, Oregon love to travel for surf, and we got together to talk about Chicama. So tune in and listen to Matt Gatto, Mark Provost, and Catherine Cummings as they share their experience of surfing and hanging out in Chicama. Okay, welcome to Experiences You Should Have. We're here with Mark, Matt, and Catherine, who all went to Chicama, Peru, and they surfed one of the longest waves in the world, which is a, a longest left wave. Uh, welcome, guys, to the podcast. Okay, thank you. This is so exciting. Um, okay, so... Chicama, Peru, longest left. What does longest left mean, per se? Well, the longest left means it's probably the longest rideable left-hand wave on that we know of in the world. Okay, and for the non-surfers out there, uh, can you help maybe just explain kind of left versus right or goofy versus... Yeah, people get a little confused. Uh, you just have to remember it's all from a surfer's perspective, not the person watching on the beach. So if you're a person that's a, a goofy footer, your right foot's forward, then a goofy footer would be facing the wave, traveling to their left, and a regular footer with their left foot forward would be facing the beach, surfing with the wave behind them, same direction to their left. Okay. So surfing Chicama, I know, is like a bucket list destination for surfers worldwide. When when did you guys go to Chicama? 
Well, this last trip with everybody here was in September of this year. Okay. And I had gone the year before um, after a friend of ours had gone the year before that and came back raving about it. So the group grew from uh, this year to about 20 surfers. Wow. Um, from all over, um, all friends and new acquaintances too. And um, the year before that, I think we were at eight or nine. Yeah. Um, so. Wow, wow. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big group going to Chicama. Now, where where exactly is Chicama? I guess it's it's the Chicama Valley is a is a massive valley that's on the west coast, uh, a little bit north of Lima, and Lima's the capital and the biggest city. So from Lima, you fly into Lima, and a city of eleven million people, and then get another one hour commuter flight over to Trujillo, which is then about an hour taxi ride to the hotel. Got it. Got it. Now, now, Matt, this was your first time to Chicama, right? Yeah, first time in South America. Wow. Okay, so this was this is a big deal. You know, going to South America from Oregon. I mean, that's it's quite a trek to get there. Absolutely. Now, how did it compare to your expectation? Uh, I guess I didn't have enough expectations. I really had no idea other than I I, I had seen some pictures of the surf and I kind of knew what that was going to be like roughly. But as far as you know, food culture. Uh, just what it was going to look like. Otherwise, I really had no clue. And it was just that was kind of the fun. I actually went before Mark with one other friend of mine that had never been because we wanted to have that pure experience of experiencing it for ourselves for a few days before these experts got on site. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, paint, paint the picture for our listeners. Uh, we've got um, two surfers here. We've got a non-surfer, Catherine, uh, who wanted just to go down, experience the longest left, this longest surfing left off of Peru, Chicama. What was it like? Well, my first trip down uh, two years ago, I was unbelievably surprised when we got there. Um, We pulled into the hotel, walked out and looked at the surf, and we saw perfect lines peeling from the point past the hotel, three quarters of a mile. And we were all waiting for our rooms to open up. And I think we, I think arrived around 10 a.m. I think most of us were in the water by 11 for our first session of the trip. And just when you see it, you see pictures of it. It looks amazing. When you see it um, firsthand, it's unbelievable. Um, The waves are nothing like you've ever seen. They're not the heaviest waves they're just perfect they're long and they just keep coming there Mm. i mean what an experience so when you when you arrived i mean you're in the water within an hour you know you've got your wetsuits on and and you paddle out i mean how how tall are these waves well, there's the trick, isn't it? Is. <laughs> Getting lucky and finding an actual swell arriving at the place. It's a bit fickle. Uh, swells come through there, but because it's uh, such a long, extended point break, it does knock a bit of the size off of a swell. So for, in my example, every day that I looked at the surf and what might be I might be facing when I got there, every day that from a month out, two weeks out, it all showed that it was 15 feet every day, double overhead at least. And I really wondered whether Mark was leading me into some big wave spot that I wasn't ready for. 
But, you know, that that swell report in the middle of the ocean of 15 feet translates into maybe a five foot wave at Chicama. So you, you can't really tell by just looking at some reports. There's not a lot of buoys or any information that's in real time that tells you what the surf's going to be like. So that's kind of part of the fun of it is the adventure is getting there and then seeing what you get for the 12 days that you're there. We got really lucky. We surfed every day. There was surf, some kind of surf. A lot of it was knee high, shoulder high, waist high, overhead, just a little bit of everything. Now, what was the surf like from morning to afternoon to evening? Was it pretty consistent? Pretty consistent most days. Uh, in the later afternoon, the offshore winds can get fairly strong some days, but there was surf every, all day, every day, pretty much. And we had people, um, Catherine's husband, Jim, was the first one out every morning. He was walking down the beach in the dark to the point. And then he'd be followed by either joined by somebody or um, people right behind him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what what was the culture like there? Were were these like pro surfers catching the waves? Was it a, a fun crowd? I mean, what was it? What did it feel like? What was the energy like there? Well, the cult- culture is a little different than any place we've ever been. A lot of places are very localized surf-wise where the waves are perfect. And they try to maintain a um, image there that this is for everybody. It's for the people that want to come and ride a boogie board, a short board, a long board, a stand up, the foil occasionally. Um, but it's pretty amazing. It's just a different feeling than any place you've ever been. I'll just chime in here real quick. It seemed like a real, um, I was really surprised when we got there because it was a very rural seaside town. I think there's a maximum of 5,000 people that live there and most of them aren't hovered on the beach. There's not a lot of souvenir shops. There's not a lot of you know, exquisite restaurants. I mean, we're talking little side cafes that are lo- owned by local families. Um, you don't see a lot of cars. There's a lot of tuk-tuks there and just a lot of people walking everywhere you go, but it's very quiet and um, compared to some of these you know, really populated places that you surf like in Hawaii or down in Costa Rica where there's big resorts up on the beach and everything. These are just little towns and they have this brand new, uh, beautiful little boardwalk that's on the beach. And um, it was just a surprise. It was a surprise when you got there. It's very arid um, and dry. There's no trees. It's very much, um, there's, I don't want to call them dunes, but it's just barren land, hard scrabble kind of land that's around there um, and all, but it it's beautiful in its own way and pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. One more thing on the culture too. Uh, one of the funnest things that happened while we were there was uh, an organization, a non-governmental agency called Share the Stoke Foundation. Some women from Holland and a woman from the East Coast of America uh, put together this group uh, to help get surfboards into the hands of young women in Peru and other other disadvantaged places. Their theory is, you know, if you if you give a woman a surfboard, she's not going to want to sit in the kitchen anymore. It's quote unquote how I heard it, but but it really does change the culture to start opening up the water and the waves and that mystery to the whole families and bringing we saw this whole group of 100 kids down there uh, pushing, getting pushed into waves and their parents taking pictures of them. And it was just, it was the most soulful chicken skin hair raising experience. It was just really, really fun after, after all that, that the place gave to us to see 
surfers giving back to that place really made a big impact on my trip. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's beautifully painted there. I mean, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And so, I mean, this sounds like a place that's very inviting to, to foreigners. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, we met people from all over the world there, really. Uh, Brazil, a lot of Brazilians there because it's close to come to serve. Israel. Uh, Israel, Switzerland. Canada. Canada. Australia. So you're there, you're, you're in a multi-generational place. You've got people catching waves all day long. I mean, did you did you even take a break? Were you just riding for miles every day? I mean, could anybody steal you off the surfboard? Uh, you know, it was a matter of, everyone asked about the legs because it's a lot of riding and a lot of walking. Uh, my I had a health issue before the trip, so I got an Apple Watch and I started doing some stats on the Apple watch. And I was walking an average of 10 to 14 miles a day back up the point just to get to the waves and get back up to the next wave. Uh, there's a boat service there also, but I tried to, to do, do it mostly the, the pure surfers way of walking or paddling back to my waves. Uh, the Surfline app that, uh, connects with your watch, uh, did GPS tracks of each of my waves. And I just kind of, I'd never had the watch. I hadn't had the application, didn't really know about any of it, but all of a sudden I found myself very interested in turning that watch on every time and seeing how many waves I got each time. And it really did start to add up after a few days. I was amazed. So how much did it add up to? It was, uh, like over 50 miles of riding waves from what I could tell. Yeah. 50 miles. I can't even imagine that that could be true, but the Stats are the stats. They don't lie. Well, when you're watching your friends ride waves for a half mile every wave or two or 300 yards and they're getting wave after wave, it adds up pretty fast. Man, that's, that's incredible. Now, you guys have been surfing for a while. I mean, how, how many years have you been surfing? 30 plus. Uh, 42, I think. Okay, so you've got some experience. You've You've surfed all over the world, um, like Indonesia, Australia, Australia. So you've been everywhere. How did this compare to some of those premier surf spots? Um, it's completely different. This is really user friendly. Um, even when the swells were big, the trip before this trip, it was pretty small, um, but it was really good. The trip before, we had a couple pretty good-sized swells, and even on the bigger swells, it just felt non-threatening, which is great for us older guys. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. I think surf is, is, you know, kind of what you make of it, what you're looking for at different points in your life. You look for different kind of waves, Um, and, you know, like I had said before, it's it's a great combination of just an incredibly long machine-like wave that took... It, what it did for the most part is it took the people out of the equation because each person that got a wave, my average waves were a minute to two and a half minutes long and then another 10 minutes to walk back up to the top point to jump in again. So even if a group of 10 showed up, you just stand on the beach and let them paddle out and five minutes later they'd be swept down or have caught a wave and then you jump in and you get your wave. And it was just sort of like a conveyor belt, a machine that just kept like slingshotting surfers into into position and then sending them out of the way so the next guy can get his. And it, it was amazing. It really was an amazing machine. 
and to put that into perspective a little bit, if you're out on a good day in Oregon surfing a beach break, your average ride might be 10, 20 seconds on a good wave. Okay. So this is significantly longer. You're really getting to enjoy each and every wave. There's this weird feeling when nature lines up a wall of energy in front of you in the ocean and like you're riding it and you look down the line and all you can see is this wall just kind of going out to infinity. It, it, it just does something in your mind. I don't know what it is, but a closeout wave coming straight to the beach is different from a wave that's 90 degrees angled away into the ocean and it just looks like you're going to surf it forever. One thing I really noticed is watching all my friends surfing down there is after a few days, everybody's surfing was getting really fine-tuned. You're watching them make longer turns, cleaner turns, and uh, making waves that were just unbelievable. That was one of the fun parts of the of the evenings is they'd have a photographer that was there on the beach most days, and uh, he would come in about dinner time or happy hour, I guess, and he'd play the videos of the daily waves that everyone caught. And we'd all have this hooting and shouting fest as we were having our beers and getting ready for dinner and got to see each person, you know, which waves they got and who got the best ones, who fell really bad. All those little, you know, joys you get to share with each other every night. And it was fun. Oh, what fun. I mean, it sounds like there's so much camaraderie. Everybody's there. They're cheering each other on. You're maybe giving each other a little crap from from the day too, and and getting to maybe I'll stay in the same place. Were y'all in the same same hotel? Yeah, Chicama yes. Boutique Hotel and Resort. Yeah, it, it's an amazing place. I mean, we had 20 people. Uh, most surfers would say you really went on a trip with 20 people, it, but everybody did their own thing. Surf when you want to surf, um, and then we all kind of gathered in the evening around dinner time. Um, and that was really fun. Now, how many surfers were really out there surfing, surfing the waves? 15 from our group, I'd say out of the 20, there was probably 15 that were some more than others, but everybody, you know, was getting in the water. And then, you know, there was certainly other people staying in town, other people in the hotel at times. Uh, we were, we almost filled the hotel up when we had our full group of 20 there though. It's a small place. Um, but yeah, there was already always someone there, but I, I think I said at one point to Mark, this today was the only day it felt like a surf break. Every other day, it felt like a magic machine. It didn't even seem like a normal surf break where you'd paddle out and look at everybody else and decide who's going to go first. It was like every time you got out there, you were in the spot or you waited two minutes and you were in the spot or your friend was, and it just, it, it was magic. It was absolute magic. Well, I love magical moments. I mean, those are the moments that are going to stick out in your life. Those are the moments you're going to remember when you think back on the year. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is what's going to rise to your brain. And uh, which is why I love my podcast, because just finding out these unique places in the world. We come a long way with change A unique thing about experiences that you should have is that we break down logistics. So we've, we've got people out there who want to go surf. How do they make this happen? Um, so first off, it sounds like you need to fly into Lima. Is that right? Correct. Fly into Lima, and then you can line up transportation. Um, yeah, so where we were staying and where I would highly recommend is the Chicama Boutique Hotel and Resort. 
and they'll line everything up for you as far as transportation from the airport once you get in. You don't have to worry about driving. Um, I wouldn't recommend it down there. And so once you get to Lima, you fly north to Trujillo. 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 And uh, they'll pick you up at the airport. And they drive you straight in there. You go through a secure gate into the compound. They have 24-hour security. And you're there. And then any side trips you want to do outside the area, you just set up a van. They'll shuttle you to um, other towns, other surf breaks. Um, archaeological sites. Archaeological sites. Very cool. Now, what is the best season to go based on your skill level? Well, they're, they call their best surf season uh, March through November. Mm-hmm. And it's good anytime through that period the weather's probably a little nicer in March and April um, because you're going into winter and then again in October and November but overall the surf can be good uh, anytime uh, during those months Uh, probably most people are looking at May June July August uh, September for the bigger swells okay now, let's say you've never surfed a wave in your life. Can you can you go here and learn how to surf? Quite possibly. I think that might be the best idea I've ever heard. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. They have uh, surf schools there, uh, people that will help. And uh, the wave that we are surfing at the Cape this time is so forgiving. If I was a new surfer and I could at least get out and stand up, that's where I'd want to learn to surf. Okay. No, this is this is great information. Now, I like to break down some costs. You know, I feel like I, at least I'm always having to save for a trip. I've got a side account I put money into. And I want to know how much do I need to save to go do that thing. So how much were you budgeting per day? Well, out of Oregon um, or the Northwest, you can plan on airfare between 850 and probably 1200 to get there. Um, Overall cost at the resort um, for, if you're sharing a room with one person, uh, just figure about $100 a, a day on the average. And that's for food transportation, um, to and from the airport, and, a, and some other side stuff. So that would probably be a pretty good estimate. Mm-hmm. Now, did you feel safe there? Did you feel uh, threatened at all? Yeah, that was one of the beautiful parts about it. After taking a look at the small town, I, I guess uh, Catherine called it, a, a, like, I'd say a working town or a port town. You know, it had that character of a little, a little pier there. And, you know, not, not a fishing village, but like more of a, like an industrial feel to it, I think. And, and so being that and, and kind of having a new place and getting used to a new culture, I was really happy to be at Chicama Boutique Hotel because I felt 100% safe and everybody was super friendly and they just had it dialed. They had uh, the little things like the first day, you know, they had a great looking salad that was coming out and I said, oh, can I eat that? And they said, oh yeah, all of our water in the entire place is filtered. The kitchen's fil- filtered water. Everything is grown locally around here. You know, it does look really dry there when you get to the actual hotel, but 15 minutes away, there's really fertile farmland and local farming and everything that's going on. So it's safe in that hotel, especially. There are some cheaper options in there for people that wanted to do it, you know, less, but we didn't hear all positive reviews on the cheaper hotels. Mm -hmm. Now, would you bring um, children here? Sure. 
There was a family there visiting from Switzerland, and yes, they were homeschooling their children. The boutique hotel is really all-encompassing. It has um, a yoga room and a gym. It also has a library, and it has a game room. You've got the pool outside, and they have two jacuzzis, one outside um, hot tub jacuzzi and one um, downstairs inside. They have... um, massages and spa treatments as well and the steam room um, was nuclear that is the hottest steam room i have ever seen in my life completely <laughs> illegal in the united states <laughs> so there and they also have bikes there so if you wanted to jump on a bike and go out and ride the cliffs and check out the surf from a different angle you certainly could well this just sounds like a very fabulous family vacation i think a place i should bring my five-year-old what do you think yeah? Yeah. Easily. Yeah, I would say, yeah. If you're a surfer, it is for sure. Um, I don't know if I would just go there on vacation, you know, with my family if I was a non-surfer. Okay. Uh, it, it's pretty barren there. It really is. But the the beauty is that you've got this beautiful place to stay, an incredible surf. Um, but there's some really cool archaeological sites to go visit. And... Uh, things like that in the area too. Now, what about visas or any special permits, uh, vaccines? Mm -hmm. Did you need any of that? Passport and an airline ticket and you're good to go. All right, that's pretty easy. Now, for those who may have limited mobility, if if they wanna get down to the beach, is, is there an easy way to do so? Oh, for sure, they uh, have tuk-tuks there and the hotel's great. You could have them call a tuk-tuk. They could pick you up outside the front door, drive you down the boardwalk and right onto the beach. And um, you can go all the way up at low tide to the point um, and all the way back, back down by the pier. So definitely. Okay. Now my, my husband, um, he has cerebral palsy and he, has, he struggles with some balance, but he has gone out on like kayaks and he's done like kayak surfing. Did you see any kayaks out there or would you be able to rent some out there? Do you know of? They did have a couple at the hotel, Ocean Kayaks, that um, the guys that drove the boat, they took them out one night and got some crabs, you know, just got out in the ocean on the water with them. And, you know, surf's not always huge. And so there'd certainly be opportunities for all levels of ocean exploration and play in there. You know, maybe not on the biggest days, but on most days, there's a spot there that you could definitely get in the water just to get in the water. Okay. No, that's good to know. Really good to know. And then I heard you talk about the stairs earlier. There is a set of stairs. Uh, How's the handrail on the stairs down to the beach if you don't drive down to the beach? Sketchy. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. it's It's a very nice set of stairs for Peru, I'm sure. But it's a little bit sketchy. And it's right outside the hotel door, and that's your easiest access access to the beach to start walking up to the point. Okay. So if if you're not down for sketchy stairs and you want a handrail, then it might be best to get a tuk-tuk to get you to take you to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For, for the average surfer, the stairs are, are perfect. But okay. if, you know, um, somebody doesn't want to deal with them, uh, that would be the best way. Now, what about the language? You know, what's the predominant language there? Could you get by with English? It was Spanish and almost purely Spanish. Yeah, yeah didn't, didn't hear a lot of English. There was a few folks, 
in the hotel that spoke English, but you'd have to kind of search someone out. Or alternatively, there were those people that were at the hotel that spoke both Spanish and English, and you could help have them help translate. But uh, language, I'm not a Spanish-speaking person, so language was, was a minor issue for me, but it was pretty straightforward. Good to know. Now, let's talk temperatures. I mean, is this just a nice, warm beautiful day you're just out there in your bikini surfing or uh Uh, you'd think it would be being so close to the equator but but really not um the water is cool it's not cold it's cool and um there was a pretty hefty wind most of the time we were there so I um, brought a few books with me and did some book reading, but I always would try to find a, a wall to kind of hide behind to kind of get into the lee of the wind or and whatnot. And, um, but no, it was pretty windy out there um, a lot of times. And the time of year we went was September, so it was, it was overall cool. Um, I wouldn't say you'd be walking around in your tank tops or shorts. Um, you do need a windbreaker. Um, some sweatpants and things, but it was still really magnificent. It was lovely. The sun is out, and it was a gorgeous place. So, Okay, so what kind of wetsuits were you bringing? What wetsuit do you need to bring for this trip? Yeah, this was, I, I, I would describe it as a, a perfect afternoon day in Southern California, October or something. It was what the wet weather and surf was like there. So a 3-2 suit, um, as Catherine said, you know, decent nice warm for a couple hours during the day but it certainly cools off fast and with the wind you definitely need a windbreaker or a coat or something to to put on after the surf because it was pleasant in the water but certainly not tropical warm now what do you wish that you brought that you didn't have or something you're really happy you brought well since i had been down there before i was pretty prepared so you guys might answer that better you know, my on trips, what I also always wish I did was take half the stuff out of my suitcase before I left because you just carry it around and you don't need it. You, you don't need that much. You need something to put on after you surf and you need a wetsuit and a coat. <laughs> and I have to say that the, the hotel did have, you know, for those that need it um, and can't be away from your internet or um, and what they had strong internet there. There was no television. So really it was a good time to really visit face-to-face, have great conversations with people, and again, dive into some books. And and there were some hikes out there that we went on. And a couple times we had folks that went on on bicycles um, that were provided by the hotel and just a lot to do there. What were some of your favorite hikes or uh, biking trails there? Well, they aren't necessarily specific trails but you know that some of the fishermen go out that way but you'd go up along the cliffs um, you could cycle up along the cliffs and kind of check out the surf down below and um, some of the hiking places I wouldn't I don't know if I would call them specifically hiking places but we did go to some archaeological sites that were a um, few miles away we did take a shuttle service out there and hire some guides in the archaeological sites to kind of show us what we were seeing and everything but um, there's just a lot of variety there a lot of new culture and new history to learn about. Now was it a tipping culture when when you would go out with a guide um, was he expecting a tip or when you're eating out? Well we did tip Um, at the hotel you really don't tip until you leave 
everybody they like you to wait and at the end just add a tip onto your bill and at the end of the month they split that up between all the workers because they mainly hire people from the local community there um, when we were out and about we definitely left a little bit of a tip wherever we were just like you would here and uh, the drivers really didn't expect it but we always tipped them a few soles yep. goes a long ways okay all right that's good to know that's really good to know and so, I mean, we've, we've broken down when to go, where to stay, maybe some side things, but what we haven't talked about is the food. Now, I have heard amazing things about Peruvian cuisine, and I'd, I'd love to hear your actual experience of, of the food there. Well, I have to say it was pretty fantastic, and it really covered a lot of ground from being vegetarian or vegan and all the way up into being meat eaters. There's um, places in Peru where the delicacy is guinea pig. Um, I did not try that myself personally, but I know that a lot that have. That you know of. <laughs> <laughs> that I know of, yeah. Um, but I do know, um, I am a, I do love quinoa. And when I went to Peru, they're the ones that were quinoa kind of was born and came out of. And um, when I went to Peru, I'm thinking I need to up my game as far as quinoa goes because it was just really delicious. And um, as far as I know, it's secondhand information, but uh, Lima, Peru has... Um, really come on to the worldwide culinary arts uh, community. And in fact, I guess two of their main restaurant, two restaurants in Lima, Peru, are actually in the top 10 on the Michelin list. And I believe it. There was just some great food and great chefs. The hotel where we stayed out, they even offer cooking classes if you wanted to take cooking classes there. Oh. And just a great infusion of Asian and South American and a little Caribbean in there. So there was just a lot of new flavors. It was a lot of fun. Ooh, that sounds fun. What about you guys? Did you love the food? Yeah, I had a day in Lima when I first got there. And uh, we had a tour guide that took us out to lunch. And she was telling us there's over 1,300 kinds of potatoes in Peru grown in the Andes. And so I had a dish that was yellow potatoes, purple potatoes and white potatoes uh, kind of dressed up like a piece of like a sushi rice base and then they'd put fish octopus or fish on top of it so it was a potato sushi if you will it was it was very interesting and something I totally unexpected I'd never seen before or heard about but it was just one of like uh, many many things I tried that I'd you know never really think they had um, corn roasted big uh, kernels of corn uh -huh. Kind of like corn nuts in the U.S., but smaller, regular-sized pieces of corn, and th and they would kind of dry them and salt them and put them out for appetizers. And so that was like a standard thing you'd see every afternoon. There's a lot of just unique things that it wasn't. It wasn't like anything related to anything you'd think about if you've been to Central America or Mexico. There was just no connection to me at all. The food was totally different. It was far south okay. American food. And the cost is unbelievable. I think dinners might have been at the most fifteen dollars. Oh, and that was like for a huge steak and all you can eat, huge plate. Okay. And that's at the hotel, not going anywhere else. I mean, if you wanted cheap food, there were certainly restaurants in town that had cheaper food, but we didn't feel the need to, to go anywhere. That's good to know. You can go to your hotel, eat well, surf well. I mean, what an adventure. 
Now let's say it was a terrible surf day and you wanted to leave Tacoma and just go hang out in Lima for the day. Was that really easy to arrange? Lima's too far. Okay. Yeah, Trujillo is an hour drive and then right. another hour plane flight back into Lima. Okay. So it's like, it's far to go to Lima. And Lima just takes a day to get around anywhere there. The traffic is the most insane traffic I've seen pretty much anywhere. I... It's about 400 miles from where we are. Okay. All right. Painting yeah. into perspective yeah. here. Yeah, I had a, I had someone when I told them I was going to Chicama to surf and this Peruvian person said, they were kind of incredulous. They said, oh, you're not going to Machu Picchu you're not going to the Andes you're not going to go see the archaeology I'm like no I'm going surfing I came here to go surf and I kind of was given the strong impression that I was leaving a lot on the table by just coming for 12 days and not exploring the rest of their country which I I probably did but you know I have my favorite things to do and surfing's at the top of the list so. all right no absolutely absolutely uh but we will include a list of those top places to go see in, in Peru in the show notes. Um, there'll be future episodes, don't worry. Um, now, as far as surfing goes, um, or just being in Chicama, where was there something you needed to know to be culturally, culturally appropriate? Not really, just, uh, you know, everyone was very respectful of the locals. And uh, that goes a long way there. And, um, you know, we, we never had any problems, you mm -hmm. know, didn't experience any problems. Um, and it's just a very friendly place. There was a guy that was working at the hotel from Hawaii, and he was a aficionado of, of surf culture, Hawaiian and Peruvian surf culture. And there's quite a link. We talked several nights about uh, the Hawaiians coming over in the 50s uh, to help develop the sugar industry in Peru. Mm. And when they did that, they also brought along some surfers and surfboards. And so Peru was an early place, like much like Hawaii, that had good waves there, and people took up surfing there a long time ago. And the difference was Hawaii got famous for it, and Peru just kept their mouth shut and kept their waves and their local people surfing them. And they developed the same very great aloha surf culture that hawaii has but just without the tropics and all the attraction of the other tourists and people there it is a little bit farther to go it's a little cooler it's not the idyllic you know tropical dream vacation that most people dream of when they talk surf and i think that's really to a large extent what's kept it so nice down there mm. so would you say this is still a well-kept secret uh not at all. I mean, every diehard surfer has known about Chicama forever. It's just a long ways to go. It, you know, it's 5,300 miles to South America. It's a trek to get there. But once you figure it out, it's not bad. It's really a day's worth of travel, um, you know, between layovers and flight time. And um, But no, it's not a well-kept secret. People know about it. It's just getting there. Okay. Now, is there anything else that you guys would like to add? Any uh, additional tips for someone coming down to Chicama that has never experienced it before? No, you know, one thing I would do is just uh, uh, check with the hotel uh, and and get on one of their social media sites on Facebook or Instagram, and, and they actually post every time they see a good swell coming. So they might post and say, um, we have a really nice swell coming January 5th through the 10th. 
and we still have rooms available. And then you can go to services like Surfline and track that and decide to do a, a strike mission down there to surf, which is probably what we'll do next time we go, is just look for a really good swell window and pull the trigger and go. All right. Although there might be a bit of competition for that because I believe the Brazilians do that as well. Is that right? They definitely yeah. do, and they're a lot closer. Right. Well, it sounds like you've got to go gather your own surf crowd, bring them down to Peru, and take over a hotel and have a good time. Bye, it's probably one of the few places that you can actually go do that. Yep. And on the cheap, $100 a day, that's super fair. You know, and getting down there, $800, $1,200, not it's too not bad. not that much money, really. And then check your surfboard. It'll be a little bit cheaper in the long run. But you can get a surfboard down there if you decide you want to pick up surfing. Yep. Yep. You're going to spend uh, 100 150 each way to bring your boards down, um, unless you get lucky and the airlines don't charge you. Now, are there any airlines that that are good to surfers? And Alaska. Okay. Alaska is really good. Um, it's, it's part of your check luggage now. Um, especially if you're an Alaska frequent flyer, it's first, first bags free and that can be your first bag. Um, so that's nice, but the international flights, they usually get you for around a hundred bucks. Okay. Coming back for sure. You're going to pay going down. If, uh, like Matt said, probably $25 on Alaska is a check bag. And, but they do have uh, some restrictions. I think you cannot bring a board over nine, eight down there, or you have to pay more money. Okay. Um, so that's one thing to consider. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much here. We're recording from my home office here in Bend, Oregon. And I love it that we have such an amazing community here. People who like to get together, experience the water, experience food, experience camaraderie, and, and going down to experience a bucket list surfing experience off of Peru or in Peru. Truly incredible. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. My bad. Thanks. All right. And stay tuned and uh, please go to experiences that you should have.com check out the show notes there. Click on episodes. There will be uh, links, photos, everything that you would need to do. Follow us on Instagram at experiences podcast and um, please tag us, tag us in your photos share your surfing experiences and if you have a surfing destination you think we should create an episode about uh, hit us up on experiences you should have.com because i mean surfing is a way of life and i'd like to tap into more amazing experiences like this well thank you and until our next adventure i know we come a long way with change Oh